Welcome to the best works of emerging explicit romance authors. Our curators select a wide variety of tales about the lifelong human quest for satisfying, lasting, and meaningful expressions of sexual health. Steamy Stories Daily Podcast focuses primarily on short stories. Explicit Novels Daily Podcast presents longer format novels over a span of episodes. Subscribe to both Steamy Stories and Explicit Novels in your favorite podcasting app. And now, today's story. Ethical Carnal Duties, Part 1 Valentine's Day Letdowns By regular guy 13, listen to the podcast at Steamy Stories. Aunt regrets stealing his virginity. She makes it right. Thursday night, February 13th. Harvey Fielding, the aged patriarch of the family stood and looked out with pride at the group sitting around the dinner table. Three generations were present. With him were his daughter, daughter-in-law, and their remaining families. Harvey's wife was not with them. Unfortunately, she had passed away. So had his son, Harvey Jr. They were at his daughter-in-law's house in Richmond, Virginia. Meta was a widowed woman with a single child. Her daughter, Wendy, was 20 and a sophomore at Randolph-Macon College. Meta was an only child of two deceased parents. She was raising Wendy, the patriarch's beloved granddaughter. Sitting across from them was his daughter, Breeze, and her family, her husband, Bill, and their son, Arlo. The group had enjoyed a good meal. Harvey Fielding said, I stand here a proud and happy man. These get-togethers are too short and too infrequent. His family murmured their agreement. He continued, Congratulations Meadow, on being recognized by the National Association of Women Lawyers for the mentoring program you run for high school girls. My departed wife and son, God rest their souls, would be so proud, as would your own departed parents. You are truly a daughter to me. Everyone raised their glass and congratulated her. Then Harvey said, Congratulations to Arlo for his scholarship to my favorite school, Randolph-Macon College. If I say so myself, it is an excellent institution of higher learning. I am pleased that you're planning to major in my favorite field, philosophy and ethics. Breeze laughed and said good-naturedly, Father, it looks like you won. Arlo has your temperament. I tried to develop his artistic side, but he has not found his creative art talents yet. With a mentor like you, he will go far in his studies. Wendy caught that bug, Meadow said with a laugh. Maybe you and I were supposed to trade kids. Breeze was a talented artist. She inherited that skill from her mother and father. Like her mother, Breeze could draw, paint and sculpt. She and Bill earned their living selling the art they produced. Harvey dramatically lowered his voice and said, Arlo, happy as I am that you'll be joining your cousin Wendy at RMC, unfortunately, I have to report that the quality of the teaching staff there has diminished significantly recently. He was kidding and everyone knew it. They all laughed. He had retired from the college last year after 30 years of teaching philosophy and ethics. Meadow met Harvey Jr. as college students. Meadow had been a great student in Professor Fielding's classes. 
She still credits her philosophy and ethics training for making her a more forceful and persuasive courtroom litigator. He waited for the laughter to die and then said, and lastly, let us say bon voyage to our travelers. Breeze and Belle are off tomorrow for a well-deserved 10-day vacation to St. Bart's. While they are having fun in the sun, the rest of us will be suffering through a cold and dreary Virginia February. Bree said, I'll send you all photos from the warm and sunny Caribbean. No thanks, Harvey chirped. I don't need to see pictures of you two, naked. The family laughed. Bill and Breeze were artists, but they weren't free spirits. Everyone knew them to be serious, shy, quiet souls. They would never frolic naked on a beach or anywhere else, for that matter. Harvey waited until he had everyone's attention and then he said, I will close the night with a quote from a brilliant philosopher. He raised his glass and said, to alcohol, the cause of, and solution, to all the world's problems. At least so says Homer Simpson. Cheers and laughter broke out. Everyone raised their glass and drank. After the meal, Bill and Breeze said their goodbyes. They had to catch an early flight out of Baltimore Washington Airport and they were spending the night at a hotel near the airport. Breeze hugged her boy and said, enjoy the tour of the campus and sitting in on some classes. Promise me you will talk to the other students. She looked concerned. A mom, Arlo whined. Arlo took after his parents. He too was a shy person. He was naturally quiet, but it was more than that he was awkward around people and uncomfortable to engage with them. He was not a people person and had never had a lot of friends. His behavior was partly due to his timid nature. His upbringing also contributed to his demeanor. When he was young, he only had limited opportunities to interact with other children. He hadn't attended regular school. He was homeschooled. His parents taught him what they thought was necessary and let classic books supplement their efforts. He became a big reader and gravitated to ethics because it was a field of study that suited his nature. He could read and think and pursue it alone. Arlo's opportunity to connect with other kids was hurt by his family's nomadic lifestyle. The family was forced to move to follow artistic projects. He was always the new kid in town and he often moved before anyone got to know him or he got to know them. His parents prayed he would outgrow his shyness. They hoped that college would be that time. Wendy was the next person to say her goodbyes. She was returning to school. By mom, Wendy said. My sorority is having an event. Meadow knew that was code for I have a party to go to. She was fine with that. Wendy was a good girl and she kept her grades up. However, she felt they should give her nephew an opportunity to attend the party. She said, Wendy, why don't you take Arlo with you? Wendy was planning to hook up with her boyfriend. She didn't want to be stuck with her nerdy cousin. However, she knew she couldn't object outright. She decided to roll the dice and invite him. She was betting his shy nature would cause him to decline. Arlo, Wendy asked brightly. Would you like to go? There's a party tonight. Lots of people will be there. Arlo started to sweat. Crowds and parties scared him. He stammered as he responded, Ah. 
Ah. No, thank you. Gramps and I were planning to discuss ethics. Wendy smiled. She was happy her plan had worked and she went off to the party unencumbered. Meadow cleaned up and headed off to bed. It had been a long day for her. Harvey and Arlo had an enjoyable time discussing philosophy and ethics. Harvey played the role of Socratic professor. During their conversation, he asked, Arlo, what does it mean to be good? Arlo spoke clearly. First one must settle his convictions of what good is. He was comfortable talking to his grandfather and very comfort talking about ethics. He gave the textbook answer. To be honest, courageous, respectful, and concerned about others. To be a good citizen. Obey just laws, protect what is under your care, be informed, and be involved with society. Why should we strive to live by these standards, the old professor asked. Our world would be unpleasant and chaotic if we didn't. We'd be miserable if everyone lied and cheated and was mean to each another. If people acted on their baser instincts of greed and self-interest, we couldn't build a functioning society. It is noble to sacrifice for the greater good of others. Do you believe the goals of humans are joy, happiness, and contentment and the best way to achieve these goals is ethical behavior? Arlo nodded. I agree also, Harvey said. Now, how do we get there? They discussed different versions of ethical theory. Arlo was a proponent of one theory. His grandfather favored another. Harvey summed up his argument this way. He said, as you know, in consequential ethics, the outcome determines the morality of the act. Arlo interjected, for you, the end justifies the mean. Do you really believe there are no standards of behavior that should be upheld? Yes and no, Harvey conceded. The thing that makes an action right or wrong is the consequences of the action. Being truthful is a noble goal, but I believe it is okay to lie sometimes. But a lie is a lie, Arlo stated. For him, everything was black or white, idealistic. Yes, a lie is a lie, Harvey agreed. But a lie can be a good thing. Consider this scenario, an overweight wife asks her husband if her butt is too big. Which is the better choice? If he's truthful and says, yes, dear. You're fat. He hurt her feelings. If he lies and says, no. You look fine. She is happy, and believe me, it increases the husband's happiness too. That's an innocent lie, Arlo pointed out. You need to be truthful about significant things. Like life or death issues? Certainly. Harvey said, what would you do in this circumstance? A criminal breaks into your home. He demands to know if anyone else in the house? You know your mother is upstairs. Do you tell him? Or do you attempt to protect her and say, I'm the only one here? I lie to protect my mother, Arlo answered. Exactly, Harvey said. It is acceptable, I would argue necessary at times, to break the moral code to be moral. The essence of morality is determined by the outcome of the act. One cannot blindly follow a set of precepts and expect to achieve good results. Arlo said, you make a good argument for your system, but I still have problems with it. 
Many people believe in God and follow the Ten Commandments. That is a good thing for them and society. They would say you are replacing God's law with man's judgment. Religious people won't like that. And considering the nature of man, won't a man always find a way to justify his behavior? And isn't it a better, simpler, and faster method of moral behavior to have standards and to live by them? I can see the world grinding to a halt as we all say, time out. I need to do a moral calculation of all my possible actions to see which is best for the greatest number of people. Harvey laughed and said, this is exactly why I find ethics so fascinating. Lying is bad. You should strive to always tell the truth unless the situation dictates that a lie is the better choice. You should follow God's laws except when you know better. The end justifies the mean except when it causes you to break some moral code. Harvey smiled good-naturedly and said, Another reason I find ethics so fascinating is because it is the perfect excuse to argue and drink, two of my favorite things. Harvey stood and finished his drink. He was impressed with his grandson's grasp of the subject and his intellect. He leaned in close so Meadow couldn't hear from the other room. Arlo, I'll leave you with one more question that may push you to my side. If the tip of your dick is resting on the labia of a beautiful and willing female, would you lie to her so both of you could enjoy out-of-this-world sex? Let's say she pauses and asks if you love her. What are you going to say? In my scenario, you like her, but you aren't in love with her. If you are completely honest, you and she miss out on a wonderful experience. You deny each other the joy of great sex. Arlo said with confidence. Ethics is about good and evil, right and wrong. If the goal of your actions is the greatest good for the greatest number, then you must lie and fuck her. To needlessly uphold a rigid, abstract standard in this situation serves no purpose, correct? Harvey walked away. He grabbed his coat and returned to his house. Arlo went to bed. He laid on the floral sheets and pondered the last question his grandfather put to him. His dick was hard and thought the answer was obvious. Friday, February 14th. Aunt Meadow and Arlo had breakfast together. She said, today's the big day. So, you're going to sit in on some classes? He nodded to avoid speaking. They left at the same time. He went to the college to tour the campus and she went to prosecute a child molester. Arlo returned to this aunt's house late afternoon. No one was there. He watched television. Indiana Jones, you rock, Arlo said. He had just watched the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was his favorite movie. In his dreams, he was the handsome, swashbuckling hero. He won the girl and saved the day. In real life, he was a shy 18-year-old who was awkward around people and especially timid and nervous around females. Needless to say, he didn't date and he was a virgin. He walked into the bathroom and said, I love indoor plumbing. He peed in the toilet, flushed and said, Why do my parents put up with a smelly, camper toilet when if we lived like normal people we could all use this wonderful, hygienic device? Since his parents moved frequently to work on commissioned art project, they lived in a camper that they pulled by an SUV. How about a shower, he asked rhetorically. He answered himself, continuing to talk out loud. 
that sounds good. A nice, long, hot shower. Another marvelous experience, denied to trailer people. Arlo undressed. He dropped his clothes in a pile on the floor. He said, oh. They have a hamper. He left his clothes on the floor and went to the wicker container. He flipped open the top. He saw a sexy black, lacy bra and a pair of panties. Whoa. He picked up the bra. He had never seen something so beautiful, so sexy, and certainly never on a live girl. He was not the kind of guy who could seduce a woman. None of his mother's bras were like this one. She was a petite woman with small breasts. She usually didn't bother with one because she didn't need to. If she wore one, they were soft, stretchy bandeau tube-style bras. Functional. Not sexy. 36C, he snickered as he read the label. She certainly is the big aunt. He examined the cups and fingered the lace. His dick got hard thinking about the soft flesh that filled them. Next, he picked up the underwear. It also had lace and was alluring. He studied it and did the unthinkable. He brought the crotch to his nose and sniffed. Oh. Um. He was overwhelmed with the acrid, musky odor of a woman. His dick twitched and grew hard. He said, Aunt Meta wore these. This is her scent. He held the panties to his nose with his left hand and stroked his dick with his right. Um, he groaned breathing deeply. He looked around for something to use as a lubricant. He spied hand lotion on the counter by the sink. He pumped a large amount on his hand and masturbated. He sniffed the panties, stroked his cock and kept thinking about how this article of clothing had been pressed up against a woman's cunt. Oh. Oh. God, he called out as he came in the sink. He dropped the panties and gripped the counter for support as he jacked off into the basin. Oh. Fuck, he cried as the last of his spunk landed in the sink. His heart was pounding and his breathing was ragged. He rested a bit and then turned on the tap and cleaned up. He sent his cum down the drain. He returned the sexy underwear to the dirty clothes hamper and hopped in the shower. He shampooed his hair and scrubbed his body hard. He was trying to wash away the sin of masturbation made worse by sniffing his aunt's soiled underwear. Hours later, Meadow shouted, Hello, Arlo, as she entered her home. Arlo had been reading a book. He stood and silently greeted his aunt. She came into the family room and asked, Did you have a good day? Did you find a way to amuse yourself? She asked with a warm smile. Arlo blushed. Immediately, he thought, Oh God. It's like she knows I beat off while sniffing her panties. He was embarrassed and stuttered as he answered her, Ah. Ah. Yes. He held up his book and said, Um. I find a good book is always good company. Yes. We all would be better off if we read more. She looked at her watch and said, Oh. I have to hurry. I have a date tonight. It's Valentine's Day, but of course, you know that. Will you be okay on your own? Yes. I'll order a pizza. Meadow dashed off to shower and changed.
Meadow stood in front of the mirror and debated whether she should put on a bra. She wasn't wearing one under her favorite red slinky dress. Her hard nipples pressed obscenely against the clingy fabric. The contours of her areolas and her tight peaks were visible. She decided to be risque tonight and let the girls be free. Good thing I have my cashmere wrap, she chuckled. She didn't mean her bare shoulders would need to be covered. She knew that without a bra and wearing this slinky dress, her nipples would be visible to everyone all night. She brought the warp in case she lost her nerve. She slipped on her highest heels, threw the wrap over her arm and walked out of her bedroom. She encountered Arlo. His eyes grew wide as he viewed her. The dress was hot. Her braless breasts were lewd. The way her nipples were visible through the dress was scandalous. His eyes were riveted to her chest. Wow. That's some dress, he said. Too much, she asked. Seeing his expression caused her to rethink her decision to forego the bra. No. Gorgeous. Beautiful. I was just thinking if you are going to wear that dress, you should come with a warning label. Ahem, he cleared his throat and then did his best Betty Davis imitation, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Meadow laughed and said, good. It's Valentine's Day. A time to be flirty and sexy. I loved your impression of Betty Davis. I'm surprised you'd know a line from a movie made before you were born. Um, he shyly admitted, I don't have many friends. I spend a lot of time with classic movies and books. Oh. She felt sorry for him. The clock on the mantel chimed. She said, I need to go. She draped the wrap over her shoulders. Arlo helped her put on her coat and she left to meet her boyfriend for dinner. She drove to the fancy restaurant where she and Ted had agreed to meet. She had a drink and then another while she waited. She called him numerous times and got no answered. She became worried. Ted was a responsible person, a wealthy, well-respected attorney. It was out of character for him to stand her up. Maybe something's happened, she told herself after waiting an hour. She decided to go to his home. She pulled up to his house and walked to the front door. That's odd. The door is open, she said. She let herself in. She heard noises coming from the den and headed that way. She entered the room and was shocked by what she saw. Her boyfriend was naked and stretched out on the sofa. There were two naked women in the room with him. Their appearance screamed, crack whore. The women were gaunt, bags of bones. Their sorry, empty tits sagged down their chest. Meadow looked at their unkempt hair and the dark circles under their eyes and wondered when was the last time they had combed their hair or slept. One woman was snorting cocaine off the glass coffee table and the other was sucking on her boyfriend's dick. Ted. Meadow shouted. What's going on? We, we're having a party, he slurred. Help yourself to some blow. What? Meadow screamed. She'd never seen her boyfriend do drugs and certainly not behave like this. Ted laughed. I got fired today. They discovered I was embezzling money from the firm. I bought some cocaine and decided to get high. 
I met these two ladies, and we've been fucking and snorting for hours. Join us. Meta was shocked and disgusted. She turned around without saying another word and drove home. The Refuge Keep the change, Arlo mumbled to the pizza delivery guy. He watched television as he ate his dinner. Nine o'clock, let's see if we can find a good movie, other than sappy chick flicks. Meadow burst through the door. Arlo went to investigate because he wasn't expecting anyone to come home at this hour. Oh. It's you, Aunt Meadow, he said. He saw that she'd been crying. A normal person would have asked, is everything okay? Arlo wasn't normal. He didn't ask. She ripped her coat off. The shawl came off with it. She said angrily, worst Valentine's Day ever. She kicked off her shoes and bent over at the hips to pick them up. She leaned over so far that Arlo saw her big brown nipples. She showed no hint of caring that she'd flashed her tits to her nephew. She had too many other things on her mind. She marched off quickly to her bedroom. Whoa. Nipples, Arlo said to himself. That was a first for him. He'd seen pictures of women's breasts, but never had he seen an actual one. It gave him a chubby. When she returned, Meadow had a royal blue robe on over her flannel sleeping gown. Her feet were covered by slipper socks. The terry cloth material kept her feet warm and it had a rubber sole. Her face was scrubbed clean of makeup and her hair tied back into a ponytail. She ignored Arlo and headed straight to the kitchen. She mumbled, I need a drink. She fixed herself a stiff drink. She downed half of it and refilled her glass. She sat at the kitchen table and brooded about the evening. Arlo could see she was upset. He stayed away giving her a wide berth. Occasionally, he'd turn his head and check on her. When he glanced her way, he saw her sitting at the kitchen table, talking to herself and drinking. Cocaine? Meadow said. She was appalled by her boyfriend's drug use. Ex-boyfriend. She took a drink. I've never seen him take drugs, she mused and tossed down the glass and then refilled it. Whores? Two prostitutes. Meadow said. She was disgusted. She guzzled more alcohol. I gave him my body. I sucked his cock and he cheats on me with two crack whores, she lamented. He never called to cancel our date. Bastard. Meadow finished her drink and got another. The bum kept me sitting in the restaurant. She gulped a large amount. Everyone there knew I had been stood up. She sipped heartily on the whiskey. I felt like a fool. She drained the glass and got another. I cared for him, she wailed. She swallowed her drink. The alcohol burned her throat as it went down. Tears fell from her eyes. Arlo heard his aunt crying. He ignored her for a long time, but even he was moved by her sobbing. Finally, he went to her and asked, Wah, what's the matter? You mean, besides wasting six months of my life dating an embezzler and drug user? She reached for the bottle to top off her drink and knocked it over. Fuck, she cried out and reached for the bottle. Arlo picked up the bottle. 
she wrenched it out of his hand. When she did, the bottle flew up and hit Arlo in the face. Ouch, he cried out. He wrestled the bottle away from her. He set the bottle on the counter out of his aunt's reach. His eye hurt. He rubbed it gently. He said, Aunt Meadow, don't you think you've had enough? I'll be the judge of that, she slurred. She stood and tried to go through Arlo to get to the liquor. She pummeled and scratched him. Arlo was only an average-sized guy, but he easily stopped her. She was drunk, unsteady, and uncoordinated. Let me buy, she demanded. Arlo stood his ground. Meadow tried to pass him on one side, then the other. Then, she stopped. Arlo had been sliding left and right to block her. He hoped her lack of movement meant she'd given up. Meadow looked up at him. She didn't look well. She wasn't well. She hurled. Vomit poured out of her. It splattered on Arlo's face and chest. Some went down his shirt and on his pants. Oh God! Arlo cried as he was hit with puke. The sight and putrid smell made him throw up. He raised his hands to block it. His vomit hit his hands and ricocheted onto his arms and shirt. It then dripped down on his pants and the floor. He was a smelly mess. He wanted to leave. He wanted to scream at his aunt, but just then his own words, it's noble to sacrifice for the good of others, came back to him, along with the mental image of his grandfather's approving, proud smile. Miraculously, Aunt Meadow was unsoiled. However, she was still drunk and still unsteady. She lost her balance and fell into Arlo. She hugged him to keep from falling over. It didn't work. They both ended up on the floor, rolling around and getting covered in the smelly, slimy puke. Meadow freaked out. She shouted, take me to the bathroom. I have to get this off me. Arlo led the filthy, unsteady woman to the bathroom. Oh God. The smell. Meadow complained. She ripped off her robe. She stood there in her nightgown and slurred, yeah. Y'all's a mess, too. We need to get them dirty clothes off of ya. She began undressing her nephew. Arlo agreed. The smell was sickening. She helped him remove his shirt and pants. They both tossed their stinky clothing into the open hamper. He stripped until he was down to his underwear. Aya stinks. Eyes needs a shower, Meadow said. She went to the shower and turned the water on. While she waited for the warm water, she pulled her gown over her head. She was too drunk to do this safely. The gown got stuck when it was halfway off. She wasn't wearing anything underneath. Arlo stared at her bare ass. She swayed as she struggled to escape the nightgown. Arlo moved and closed and held her hips. As he feared, she toppled over. He caught her and took a hard elbow to the body. Pull it off, Meadow demanded. Arlo steadied her with one hand around her waist and used his other hand to pull the nightgown off. He tossed it aside. Meadow cared not a whit that she was naked. Her focus was on getting clean. She stepped into the shower, turning the water on and adjusted the water's temperature. Arlo was right behind her keeping her from falling.
Arlo said to himself, wow. She's naked. Her skin is so soft. I didn't expect a woman in her 40s to be this attractive. Meadow lost her balance again and Arlo had to catch her. He wrapped both arms around her to keep her upright. One arm met her breasts. She didn't notice or care. She said nothing about it. Arlo was nervous and scared. He expected to be berated at any moment for touching her boobs. His face blushed bright red. His mind screamed, you're so dead for touching her boobs. She's going to scream at you and tell mom. She stood in the stream of warm water. When she didn't say anything, Arlo allowed himself to think about her breasts. He thought, her boobs are awesome. So big. So soft. Her nipples are sticking out obscenely. Her bare rump was pressed against his groin and his dick grew hard. She fidgeted and he had to adjust his grip on her nude body. A hand cupped her right breast. Her head turned to him and he expected the worst. I'm dirty. I'm on need a shower, she said with the simplicity of a six-year-old. Her words stunned him. It took a moment for him to respond. Aunt Meadow, I'm worried you'll fall if I let go of you. She looked down at the arms around her as if just noticing them, then looked back at him. He had vomit on him. She wrinkled her nose and said, you smell bad. She turned around and luxuriated in the spray and let the water beat down on her foggy skull. Arlo used this time to study and marvel at her body. This was the first nude woman he'd ever seen. His dick tented his wet shorts. She rinsed all traces of the vomit off her body. Arlo stood behind her. He kept his hands on her to make sure she didn't fall. What he saw astounded him. She beautiful, he thought as he gazed at her. He loved everything about her. Her long, slender neck leading to her bare back fascinated him. He studied the soft curve of her shoulders and the indentation in the center of her back where her spinal column was. He loved how her broad shoulders swept down to a narrow waist and delightfully flared out at the hips. She had a plump womanly ass. Her back was tanned. Surprisingly, her bottom was too. She suntans in the nude. Cool, Arlo thought. He stepped back to get a complete view. She had firm thighs, slender calves, and small feet. Her dainty toenails were painted fire engine red. Beautiful. Meadow grabbed the shampoo, squeezed some into her hand, and turned about as she worked it into her hair. Oh. Arlo gasped. She kept her eyes closed while she worked the shampoo through her hair and thoroughly scrubbed. She didn't seem to care that he was seeing her naked. Arlo studied her front quickly, in case this was his only chance. He checked her face to be sure her eyes were still closed. He noticed she had a round face, a thin nose, and full lips. Quickly his eyes stared at her breasts. They sagged. The nipples faced east and west, but he didn't care. They looked wonderful to him. Fuck. This is unbelievable. Arlo thought. Look at her big tits bounce and shake. She has huge, hard nipples. His internal conversation continued, God. Look at her cunt. That hair is jet black, 
The hair on her head is brown. I can see her vulva. Streams of water ran down her fully tanned, fit body. The water cascaded over her breasts, across her stomach, and flattened and separated her pubic hair as it ran down her body. Arlo could see her thick vaginal lips through the soaked, parted hair. Arlo kept his hands on her hips as his eyes devoured her body. It was the first naked woman he'd seen in the flesh and it was as hot and exciting as he'd imagine. Meta washed and rinsed her hair and then casually washed her body. Arlo Hardcock lurched when she soaped her breasts. He almost came when she touched her ass and cunt thoroughly swabbed her most intimate parts. Meta was in her own world as she scrubbed her body. After she rinsed off, she opened her eyes. They brightened in recognition that Arlo was in the shower too. She wasn't self-conscious about her nudity. In a matter-of-fact way, she said. Let's get y'all clean too. She reached out and began washing his upper body. She smirked when she noticed he was in the shower with his underwear on. This won't do, she said. She pulled his shorts off and giggled when his erection popped into view. She grabbed it and began washing it. Someone's grown up, she purred. Ah. Uh. Ah, uh, Arlo stammered. You don't have to do that, he said embarrassed. She grasped his dick, stroked him and asked, Are you sure you want me to stop? Arlo was too scared and nervous to speak, but he prayed she'd ignore his protestations. She looked into his eyes and saw a pleading look. I thought not, she said with a knowing smile. Oh. Oh, Arlo moaned as she jacked him off. He almost cried when she stopped. She handed him the soap and said, clean up. He hurriedly washed the vomit off his body. She stood and smiled watching his erection bounce around. When he was done, she held her hand out and said, give me the soap. Your back needs to get washed. He did, then turned his back to her. Then, she soaked up his shoulders, back and under his arms. She set the soap on the dish and wrapped her sudsy hands around both sides of him, then back down to his stiff cock and said, this needs a little more attention. She soaked up his cock, dropped the soap and resumed beating him off. She pressed her tits into his back and breathed lustily into his ear as she stroked him. His eyes rolled back into his head and she held him steady as he moaned loudly, oh. He came. She held his cock like a hose and directed the blasts of cum against the tile walls of the shower. Meadow laughed and milked his cock until he'd finished. I got a fire hose. Where's the fire? God, I love my fire hose. She giggled. Hey, who turned my hose off? She stroked his some more, but then gave up a few seconds later. Then she got quiet and looked around. She turned them both around and rinsed Arlo off as if nothing unusual had happened. Arlo stared at her plump rump and enjoyed the wonderful sensation of his very first handjob as he gasped for air. Meadow, now clean, pushed open the shower door and stepped out. She immediately slipped and fell hard on her ass. Oh, my God. Are you okay? Arlo called out. He was worried that she'd hurt herself. He quickly exited and went to her side. She was still inebriated. 
She said simply, my bum hurts. To be continued. By regular guy 13 for Literatica. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We hope you found pleasure and inspiration. Come back tomorrow as we continue to bring you more explicit romance tales and subscribe to our podcast feeds in your mobile devices to access our entire library of hundreds of daily episodes. Happy dreams.